My name is Dimitri, and I'm a productivity and minimalism enthusiast. I'm Chance. I'm a philosophy and ethics enthusiast. And you're listening to the Rise Productive Podcast. The show where productivity meets philosophy. And what it means to build a better life. Enjoy the show. Hey, guy. What's up, man? We're actually doing this in person. It's kind of weird. Yeah, back in the flesh. I like it. I like, I was going to say, I like, and then what you said at the end of your sentence just now in the flesh like i was gonna say i like and i'm not gonna say it because that just sounds really weird oh okay not in the flesh i like <laughs> i've lost you <laughs> i said i like the flesh in response oh no no, no, no. <laughs> you made me say it i had to explain myself <laughs> well we're here it's good i like this yeah welcome to the the new apartment i'll leave the the name that is commonly referred to out of the podcast but. ah i see it is referred to as a, a hole filled with odorous excrement but the most common form of that over grandiose word i just used in the <laughs> united states like most of the time people are like oh it's like a blank hole mm-hmm. it's a blank hole it's pretty nice it's not as bad as the name makes it out to be for being called it it's i mean we're talking like some next level expectations, you know. You you, you have <laughs> expectations of something, and if it's not, you know, it's just better than the expectations, in my opinion. Yeah, exactly. It's like the quick tangent. Like the TV in our our living room is really like way too small for that room. So oh whenever God, yeah. someone comes over, I'm always I always say, "It's not too big, is it?" And they're <laughs> like, "It's definitely not too big." <laughs> I'm like, "Okay, good. That's what I was." That's what you about. did to me last week, but I didn't know if that was. I think you did that by the end of the 4th of July. So I, I didn't, you know, I, if anyone on the podcast gets what I'm saying, like it wasn't in during the day or early in the day. Mm-hmm. So I was wondering whether there was a reason that he was making that joke. But if you just do it all the time, yeah, good for you, I guess. I'm always in meddling mode. <laughs> you really are. I, people don't, people who don't know Pachance, he, he really does meddle. He, he <laughs> finds, he finds meaning in meddling. I do. I really do identify with that on a, uh, on a deep basis. You say metaphysical all the time. <laughs> metaphysical. Because like in high school, this is my go-to. If someone would say something I would, and I had an impassionate response, I'd be like, I disagree with that on a metaphysical level. <laughs> and they'd be like, why does it have to be metaphysical every time? I'm like, because I'm a philosopher. <laughs> I'm like, this is my, my line of thinking throughout my life has always been, let's use a fuse, uh, use a few token like grandiose words to you know, gatekeep people, right? So when I was young, I used to make a big deal about, I'm minor, minorly mocking myself, by the way. I, I used to talk about how I could, what was the word? It was like, um, give me, give, me, give me a moment. I do like that you're learning the philosopher's way of just gatekeeping with your big words. Yeah, I used the word sophisticated. Like I was, I made a point of saying, I know how to spell sophisticated or something to that (laughs) effect. It was ridiculous in retrospect. I remember being in like kindergarten though, and I could spell sophisticated and say the word out loud without stuttering though. And people did think that was pretty cool. That's a, that's a big hype word in kindergarten. They're like, oh my God. No, nobody actually thought that. They probably thought I was being a, I don't know what the word is. That's kind enough for this podcast, but. They were like, he's so highfalutin. I remember when I used that word <laughs> to ask whether I was highfalutin. That was, that was weird. I don't yeah. know if I asked you. I asked somebody else, I think. Yeah, I asked someone. I was like, do I talk highfalutin? And they went, 
what does that mean? And I went, oh, yeah, I think I answered my question. And then actually by the end of it, we came to an agreement that I don't normally, but there's just times when sometimes I, I don't know whether it's on purpose or my vocabulary is okay. Yeah, that is a little bit of circular reasoning. But how you been, man? I've, I've been good. I just realized it's the second time we've talked about that on this podcast. Might be some something subconscious going in there. But uh, <laughs> we, uh, we're doing good. Job was good. I realized I've been at work for a month. That's crazy. It did not feel like a month. It's been a month since we went to the wedding. No. I know. That feels... Trust me, I've been paying attention to the, that's how long weird. that's been. Because like work started, other things have been going on. So it's like a month. Wow. That, that's pretty crazy. It doesn't feel it doesn't feel right that I've been at this job that I'm like adulting for a month. God. Yeah. Weird, man. Yeah, summer really moves fast and I'm sure the real world is the same way. Yeah, I find myself in this cycle of working, completing tasks and then I don't know, I don't want to say anything but maybe a task management system will be implemented at my company via a suggestion I've made, but I I may be getting ahead of myself. But I I think I think the culture wants it. So I don't know if my suggestion will be put into place. I don't really mind regardless. I just want something because I like that stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I want to help, but you know, I'm new. What was the name of that position you want to create? The efficiency I just want, I want to be like, in my life, it'd be great if one day I could be a systems improvement. No, op, mm, it was continuous improvement manager. Yeah, there was the one article you sent me. I think yeah. it was more like system improvement. Yeah, manager. process improvement maybe. Yeah. But there was another article I looked up that talked more about a, a position that's actually relatively normalized at companies that was called continuous improvement manager. And they they end up becoming like an internal consultant for the company where they're just mm-hmm. like, okay, guys, they go into like the mini teams. It's like, let's see what these processes are like. And then you'd go, oh, not too good. Um, You need some <laughs> help with that. And I feel like, I'm not saying I know like the ultimate level of efficiency for everything, but I feel like if I ended up getting put in that position, I would teach myself and go into finding programs that help me learn even more. Like this is what I do for fun. So I feel like I'm <laughs> more well-versed than the average Joe. Right. And you have a clear knack for learning more about it. Yes. So like if that could be the job of just me walking into a room being like, all right, what do you guys do on like a weekly basis? And then they'd be like this, 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 uh, someone messages me and I do it. It's like, Pass batch time block boom <laughs> just like something <laughs> like that'd be fun that would be pretty sweet be a great job but yeah life's been good how about you man it's been good yeah nothing uh like you said time's moving fast the the LSAT is creeping up on me here we're like five weeks out and so how many hours we at I think we're at one twelve good lord one twelve yeah. so that's not bad and you're supposed to be at I'm pr- I think I'm twenty hours behind last time I checked but uh, that sounds really bad but I have like. 10 days where there's this just blocked out and expected to have a zero study 20 hours i can get that done in three days oh i see that that makes sense i because you have you're on a trip next yep going to i guess it's good we're probably gonna record too i think about it yeah uh, that'd be good i'm going to arizona in the about a month no not even a month i'm leaving in like 10 days I feel like that was a big difference from what you thought in your mind. Like you had this like whole like Arizona. This is this is the embodiment of or a very good example of how we are having our lives move fast. Yeah, exactly. The, the summer's <laughs> a void, man. It just you're getting lost in the black hole here. When I was a kid, my mom used to tell me this, and it it triggered me at the time. But it was it was because it was accurate. After the Fourth of July, summer's over, <laughs> and I would be like, "We have till August sixteenth." 
why are you saying this? Or in some circumstances, it'd be nearly Labor Day. And then she'd go, you'll see. Basically every year, just like with how the year went and, and everything. Yeah. It was, it's always a quick summer. Yeah, it's true. Especially after the 4th of July. That's very accurate. Because this is, I don't know if you'd, you feel this, um, post-Kentucky move specifically, but any time that you've been in either Chicago or Ohio, Cleveland area, you are yearning for the warmth to come for like eight months of the year. And then the summer comes and you're happy that it's warm and stuff. And then before you know it, you're yearning for the warmth to come again. Yeah, no, that's true. That's true. And the 4th of July is just when it crescendos, right? You get as hot yeah. as it can get. And now we're, we're miserable and don't want it here anymore. How are your feet? Oh, my feet were burnt after the 4th. <laughs> they were red, red. They didn't peel that badly, though. It did hurt on a few runs. This guy, you were, it was bad, man. Yeah, it was really bad. I was concerned. Like, I remember looking at those after you ran that morning and we're going, this dude's screwed. Yeah, they were hot. <laughs> <laughs> I was not happy for you. Yeah, but honestly, it looked worse than it felt. Really? Yeah, so it wasn't too bad. That's good to know. Yeah. Good to hear. I think we, we want these things for people. You know what else we want for people since we're, oh, how many minutes? I can't tell. Ten? Ten, okay. My, my site's getting worse. But anyways, what we want for people is for them to be allowed to make money off of themselves if they would like that to be the case. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And now we're able to talk about me running for Loyola. Thank you it's, to the NCAA. Yeah. It's dope, man. I can't complain about that. I'm, I'm happy for you. Yeah. yeah. Exciting. I mean, I don't know. I think technically I should be running this by the school first, but... No, there's no, you always were allowed to say something. It's a matter of if any income comes in. Yeah, I guess But that's like true. now the red tape and, and the structure of you then getting the money. So that's why there's no fear. Like my fear the whole time was always, eh, maybe they'll let me do it if I don't bring it up. Like they'll let me make money. And I had right. to decline a lot of like random offers of things. Like for example, I make videos for Wondershare PDF Element now. And that would, would have been a no-go during college. But they, they're helping me. It's helping me like get a side income, right? And it's right. annoying that I had to say no. Yeah, that is annoying. And just to put some context in here, we are talking about uh, name, image, and likeness, the new legislation yeah. that came down from a Supreme Court ruling. I think it uh, started out in California, was the first state's legislature. Mm -hmm. Kind of the, the flick of the first domino there, and then they all fell. I think there's 30-some states that have state ruling or state legislation as well as um supreme court and the ncaa i think should be coming down with uniform legislation to make it fair for all states but essentially student athletes are able to make money off their name image and likeness and we're going to get into the little details about that today as it uh has affected dimitri's life and currently still affects mine yeah it's uh it's crazy that this was something that was you know pretty bothersome to me for a while a lot of the guys on the team heard me complain about this i would say using the b word would would be accurate of describing how i would talk about this subject i would i would complain about it <laughs> and i'm just glad that it's okay for you and others now yeah when i was talking to family members about this when this ruling came down they asked me you know does this bother you and my immediate thought was i'm a stoic now no but <laughs> i thought to myself i'm happy that i have a, I have a friend that you know, it's going to help mm -hmm. more than anything. But yes, maybe me a couple months ago would have been triggered by this thought. Yeah, no, I hear that. And I think that 
it is pretty split from the interviews and mostly just like watching ESPN, seeing how people feel about it. You know, yeah. old collegiate athletes. It seems that there's a big group that was like, oh, I wish I had like reparations for the time that I was a college athlete and could have made millions. You got the whole, have you heard about the Reggie Bush situation? Oh, he got the car and everything and then like he lost his Heisman. So is he So pissed? he's like pushing to get his Heisman back now because... Fair enough, actually. Because of the name, image, and likeness. He's like, well, what I did is no longer illegal. It was illegal at the time, so it's... Fair enough. I mean, there's a lot to be said about the law, though, and how that's... Well, I guess college athletics law is not the same as, as like criminal law, you know? It's not like where yeah. we'd be freeing a lot of criminals for example with the whole weed legalization mm-hmm. now i don't have a problem with being them being freed right but i could see where the argument could be made from a government since standpoint of like no we can't let them out of jail they were criminals at the time now i don't agree with it however i can like it's more feasible of an argument now since it's just college athletics and it's just an organizational rule kind of stupid like for them not to give him the heisman considering he did deserve it on the field of play well exactly it's like he won it. He deserved it. Like he was really good. Exactly. It's like if he doesn't have it, this just means that no one has it. It's like we're just playing ourselves to say that Reggie Bush isn't a Heisman winner. Everyone knows he is. He just doesn't own it. Yeah, that was a subject for a while. My dad was a big USC fan uh, growing up as a, as a man growing up in suburban Chicago. Didn't really have any college team to root for, so you just kind of pick yeah. as one does. Insert joke here from my friends about how I'm an Ohio State fan. But anyways, he, since the whole Pete Carroll situation and Reggie Bush situation, when they lost all their scholarships following that, he really does not like Pete Carroll. He's like, no more with the whole USC thing. And we're like, Ohio State, joint Ohio State fans now, right? That's where I got that from. That is interesting to think about how his, what Pete Carroll did by giving his athlete that sort of, those advantages quote unquote financially yeah is now something that could be on the table and my whole dad's thought process on on how he doesn't like the p carroll or the team anymore it's interesting how this ruling can change i mean there's a domino effect even in my own life where i there's an alternate universe where i'm a usc fan (laughs) if this rule is fixed earlier yeah no i mean it's weird how in my opinion this has been a, a big issue like that especially with football and basketball like we're you're not getting paid anything. And these head coaches are getting paid millions. How much money? It's just like someone made an analogy to slavery, essentially, where it's like you're benefiting off the, the backs of others and you can pull the racing into there too. It's, yeah. Okay. It's a stretch, but sure. It, regardless, fundamentally, I think that was a pretty bad policy. And yeah, it's just nice to see how it is now, but it is kind of weird with this Reggie Bush situation and such. Yes. So... I would obviously say, I don't know if I agree with the slavery argument because of the whole free education for some, obviously. Yeah, and like, <laughs> yeah, there's all kinds of benefits, but they're like, oh, like, there's some, some people that could be making millions. And it's like, okay. Yeah. I don't disagree with that. That is fair. Yeah, it is annoying when Porter, Porter Moser won't take a cut out of his millions. And then it's like, anyone on that Final Four team didn't make money. Respect to what he did for Loyola, but uh, Porter Moser, you leaving, not a very popular thing amongst Loyolans. Uh, <laughs> you know, Sister Jean was was probably upset. You upsetting Sister Jean upsets us all. But regardless, uh, yeah, I mean, examples of him. So when we went to that wedding, I actually had a discussion with someone about they met Urban Meyer and asked me what I thought about Urban Meyer since they went to Ohio State. I'm an Ohio State fan. 
Yeah. And now he works with the Jaguars and makes a bunch of money. Do you remember how he made that whole excuse about, oh, I have very severe, I don't, okay, I don't know if this is an excuse. I don't want to make any assumptions about people's, people's health, but he had basically pain. Like he had a lot of stress and that stress led to yeah. like, I think he, I don't know if he's ever said aneurysms, but he had migraines, I think. Yeah, it was something very vague. Very of vague. What it was. And that was post the whole scandal that had happened with one of his subordinate coaches. Yeah. That was nearly Sandusky level of, of bad. Mm-hmm. And then I, he- I, I hear, you know, now he's making all this money, all those kids in college that he's, and then like this, my whole mind races about other things. So people like to make this funny argument to me where they say, oh, but these college athletes, you know, they then become professionals and they make the money. As an Ohio State fan, someone, something that gets thrown in my face all the time when Justin Fields got drafted was mm-hmm. what? No Ohio State quarterback ever makes it in the NFL. <laughs> this is where the argument lies. These college athletes are not guaranteed professional success. Some people just don't translate to professional athletics. So when we go into this with the argument of, okay, but they're getting the free education. Okay, but we're talking opportunity cost here, right? So the NCAA is making billions of dollars annually on this when men like Justin Fields and women in their respective sports can make money as well, obviously. There are situations where Justin Fields if you go cookie cutter by every Ohio State quarterback standard, JT Barrett, Cardale Jones, all these guys would have made at least a few hundred thousand dollars while they were in college based on how they were playing. Right. But they made maybe the equivalent of that, maybe a little bit more than that in their professional careers in their entirety. And working under the assumption and acting as if 500K or a million dollars is jack is hilarious based on the arguments I hear from people when they themselves would obviously like that amount of money to be in their bank account. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's just, regardless, it's four years of missing out on a huge amount of money. And it's like, sure, it's a drop in the ocean when you're a professional athlete, but... But not for all. A lot of them just don't make it. Exactly. And I think another thing that I thought was a a big plus about this is that you have so many one and dones. Because you want to go into professional sports and start getting paid right away. Very true. This is going to lead to, you know, a decrease in, you know, wealth management and just like, I don't know, general edu- education of professional athletes. I'm not saying that they mismanage their money, but if you have to stay for four years and I don't know, it's advantageous to stay for four years and get your degree before going to professional sports, we're going to have a more educated population of professional athletes, you know? I think that was a really good point because you look at the demographics as we mentioned earlier, Something interesting that Michigan did, ugh, Michigan, but that <laughs> Michigan did, good for them, was they had a financial education course that was required to be taken, I think, at least for one year by every college athlete. Mm-hmm. Why is that? Because professional athletes at large in, in football and basketball will, you know, go broke 40-something percent of the time. And yeah. that's a bad number. However, when you look at where these people come from, these amazing athletes are gifted. They do well, but maybe they come from very, you know, impoverished areas. Maybe they come from the inner city. Maybe they just, and in that circumstance, most of the time, a lot of people are just going to want things from them and then they end up going broke. It's a very, I mean, I don't want to make it that blunt, but they just, they grow up in the hood and then they have people around them who are not worried about their, their best interests. Sometimes they have agents even who aren't, they have family members or friends who are their agents and it doesn't go well. But in this circumstance, if we get them to, are, to also have taken 
college courses. They learn about, they get a little more educated. They get a little yep. more exposure to things like what Michigan's doing. And then the rates like maybe 10% of them go broke. And I'm, I'm down with that. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's a, I think that's the best economic incentive you can make is, you know, it's like, honestly, I think there's some cases where you're going to make a, I don't know, pretty solid chunk from being in college comparable to professional sports. I think that's the very top echelon, but it's something, you know, it's extremely, it, it is something. And you know, what's crazy. Here's an example. We had Cam Crutwig at our school. Respectfully, probably won't make it in the NBA. Yeah. But he was ranked one of the top centers in college basketball. And everyone knew about him. Everybody knew about him because of the Final Four runs, the Sweet 16, where we almost made the Elite Eight. We're talking about a guy who had very significant capabilities to make some actual money while he was in college, but he just doesn't have an opportunity at a professional level. Same with Clayton Custer. Literally, our Final Four team. Yeah. No, I agree. And I think that part of it is collegiate athletes getting paid now it seems to be a combination of skill and also just being able to sell yourself i think part of the reason cameron crutwig is so popular is i mean everyone comes up to me like oh you guys got that like the the big like white center who like you know runs on his toes down the court and it's like he's just like a character whether he like tries to be or not it's just like he he has a brand and i think that that is just almost equally as important as your skill set if you're trying to get paid at the collegiate level now very good point also, he's the father of Kofi Coburn. <laughs> Dude, that Wikipedia page is funny. <laughs> when we were watching the Final Four, or sorry, the one they made, Sweet, we, yeah. Sweet 16 at the time. Did we make the Elite Eight again? No, we. No, it, it was, was the, the round, round of 32 when yeah, it happened. 32. We beat the U, U of I fighting Illini, and Cameron Cutwig's Wikipedia for a few minutes was changed to father of Kofi Coburn, which was the center of the. of and top five player in the league and he yeah amazing player from jamaica who had who had been killing people this whole season and u of i had been an amazing team so they just changed the wikipedia page (laughs) to father of kofi coburn and if you don't think another name image likeness obviously going back to that if you don't think he would have made money off that situation i don't know if you're working with a full deck because that's i mean you got to think in that scenario, he's going to make something off of that. Even if he puts a t-shirt to get something. I mean, not making fun of Kofi Coburn maybe on the t-shirt, but I'm just saying like him being Captain Crutwig in that scenario, he got a lot of traction for how he played. He was popular. He got an ESPN. He got in front of a very large audience. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's something that he doesn't get to capitalize on as much. And in a situation, I don't want to go on too long because I want to hear your response, but. You know, there's this interesting thing where we understand how sensationalized the world is. We understand yeah. this. I think a lot of people understand that time flies even in a more, in, in a larger sense than it used to. So popularity has smaller time frames as well. Yes. Nobody really thinks about him now, but they were thinking about him for like five, seven days. He would have made something in that time frame. But now he had to wait till he was done with college in order to make the money. And tough who couldn't say that he, they'd be thinking about him longer if there were t-shirts or what have you or branding opportunities him having the monetary side of it i definitely just people aren't thinking like they don't they go and they make these arguments and i think to myself you're not always adding the context that's needed in today's type of not economy but mindset of people we just go from thing to thing so quickly yeah absolutely with the age of the internet i mean it, it can just 
you know, you can mobilize so quickly on some kind of trend like that. That's a good point. And I actually want to get to how you're feeling about the YouTube realm and how this mm-hmm. will change for people like, I don't know if anyone knows Adam Fogg, but that is a... Yeah, uh, good for him, man. He's a Valley Runner. He has a YouTube channel. He um, obviously can start monetizing it now. He has been very outward about um, being a Division One athlete. It just centers on him running. Mm-hmm. And I was curious, uh, first, how you think people like Adam Fogg are going to change this YouTube sphere where they now can monetize? And also, how do you feel, you know, looking back and saying that you never monetize yourself by or with being a, a runner? So I think that's a good question because it gives some perspective maybe to, to the naysayers of the ruling of Dimitri in that scenario had to be an amateur in its purest form mm-hmm. and compete as an amateur. I'd say good for him. I'd also say sometimes it's hilarious when the expectations that were put upon us and then we put on ourselves were the levels of a professional, but then they expect us to be compensated as an amateur. And when other things we did outside of it were taken into account and said, no, you're not allowed to make money on that, you're not allowed to do that, I don't think it's, I don't think it's a good argument because I had to make an entire lifestyle change for something. We've discussed this randomly between amongst each other since I stopped, but I allow myself to have an alcoholic beverage more than twice a year <laughs> now that I stopped. Yeah. Where in the heck is that not the same level of dedication as a professional athlete? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and honestly, there's more rules in place. I mean, the whole betting thing on any, any sport. I mean, honestly, that's a stressor for any collegiate athlete just thinks about Anytime you get into like even a, a silly betting situation where it's like, oh, let's bet a dollar on this game. It's like, no, no way you can do that. You never know what's going to come back to you or fancy football, what have you. Yeah. It's a more realistic example. Or if we had guys talking about it jokingly, like some of the older guys, and sometimes I've told you, I'm like, yeah, you should tell somebody like, stop that. Like, don't say it verbally because you never know. Things come back. Yeah. Well, I mean, like it's everywhere, man. You do a, a road 5K in the summer and you win a t-shirt or you win like $25 and you got to report it. Like nowhere in professional sports do I imagine they have to go through that kind of red tape just to, you know, for something so absurd as that. To keep the integrity of the amateurism of what it is is a hilarious statement because as we come from the sport of running, I think this gives us good context too. Are you familiar with how the track and field organization, I think it was the, uh, not AT, AT something, American Track and Field Federation, ATF, maybe before it was the USATF. Are you oh, yeah, yeah. Familiar with uh, how the whole pre thing happened. And he essentially was living on food stamps before the 72 Olympics, before United States athletes were allowed to not be amateurs. They were allowed to be professionals. Oh, no, I did not know that. So essentially in track and field, until I think the 90s when a lot of the pushes were made to allow athletes to have the rights that they do, the Track and Field Federation basically told every athlete you are an amateur you're not allowed to compete as a professional you're not allowed to get award money from races you are not allowed to do this that and the other you have to train as hard as everyone else uh if, but if you don't stay an amateur you're not allowed to keep any of your world records you're not allowed to compete as an olympian and pre was offered a lot of money at the time, he was, a, he was a national sensation. Oh, of course, yeah. And he said no, so he could stay amateur. The same thing happened in college athletics, and it has happened for a while. And people will be like, 
oh, well, you know, he gets the glory of being a gold medalist, yada, yada. Whatever, man. Why, why are we doing this thing where we, we make a lot of good points about a lot of good societal things and we're moving forward in a lot of directions? But then there's like this minor holdback in some areas that just don't make as much sense. Like morally, what is the negative of getting rid of amateurism in sports? See, and that's what, when you bring up track like that, I think that, you know, puts out the fire that a lot of people are trying to create where they're saying that the NCAA is just going to, you know, go into shambles when you had, this isn't the first time we've seen amateurism go into professionalism. And I don't think that this is the end of the NCAA. I think some people are being really just off the rocker about that whole situation. And yeah, I mean, of course we don't want to lose the ends for the means. We're all doing this because we love the sport and we want championships and gold medals. But there are clearly people who are winning monetarily in this, you know, battle. And it's not the athlete, the person who is actually, you know, putting in the labor, putting in, I don't know. It's funny to me that the only, like, the only thing that we get out of uh, all these, you know, rules getting changed now is that now we're actually allowed to do the number of hours that we're allowed to train. Because, I mean, with any sport, I mean, you talk to any coach, everyone's going over the limit of hours they're supposed to do. You know, there's like this whole amateurism thing where it's like you practice like five Mm. days a week, four days. I don't even know what it is, but everyone doesn't know it because no one follows it. And it's like (laughs) we have to we we were going to violate this rule, but then we can't bet one dollar on a fantasy football game. That is so true. I agree with you there completely. And I'm not going to say anything because, you know, don't want to say anything about my former team, whatever. But I will say as a person who time blocks and I and went through the time frame of tracking their time. Highly improbable, most teams are keeping up with the rule. Yeah, no, this isn't a rip on Layola. No, this is a, in general. You know, just the landscape. And the training expectations to be a good, any athlete in any sport for and be successful and live up to your scholarship, it's impossible, dude. Yeah, exactly. It, keeping under the number. It's impossible if you want to be the best of the best. And then you end up just doing a lot of things off book. You know, we run without our coach or I guess not anymore for me because I'm done, but we, you know, <laughs> we run our coach and that's part of the rules. It's like, okay, yes. Are we not required to meet with him at seven for practice? Sure. Are we still running 13 before we go lift? Yeah. Yeah. Like uh, what's the, where's the, where's the line we're drawing here? Exactly. Cause if you don't do that run, I'm not saying you suck, but I'm saying marginal, training throughout months upon months as any athlete knows makes you that next level of good so it's ridiculous that that expectation was set there was no monetary sort of benefit outside of the decrease in cost for university which i both appreciate and don't appreciate for two reasons one i appreciate it because it is expensive but i don't appreciate it because it is expensive and my (laughs) logic there is okay you're giving us this benefit of expensive college to not be as much that's hilarious because in the 80s or 90s that wouldn't have been a big deal because guess what it didn't cost jack (laughs) it's like when you uh you have like a let's say like i found a rock i put some googly eyes on and i say it's a hundred dollars but i'll give it to you for 10 like oh gee thanks (laughs) (laughs) like i'm happy that it helped finance my education don't get me wrong I, i think it's good that it does that to a certain extent but it's also this weird argument of all right so do we want to get into the whole how there's no reason our school should cost 60 a year 50 or 60 a year, you know, 50 a year tuition and then 10 for living expenses just like yeah 
do we want to get into that or we just kind of work with the whole like it pays for our school and that's good enough yeah no that definitely does pull back another layer just talking about college tuition and how that is just you know inflated so much in the past few decades but i think that another point that can definitely be made here about this amateur hour limit that continuously gets broken while every other rule arbitrarily <laughs> gets followed is it's pretty much common knowledge that anyone who's trying to get to the next level as a collegiate athlete can't hold any kind of job at least one that i don't know you work yeah a double digit number of hours mm-hmm. you can maybe do something i mean i held a tutoring position for four hours a week for the school for the school but that that cater but it was for the athletic department too so it catered specifically to your time frame if yeah, that didn't exactly. exist, tell me you would have been able to travel. I mean, you did it remote too. Yeah, there's no way I could do retail, food service, any kind of normal uh, college job, regular college job. Exactly. Like, yeah, there's no sustainable way for me to like work at a bar or like work at the bike shop over the school year. I had tried oh, no, and I, I, I immediately was burnt out. And it's just like, if you're expecting us to go over the limit and put, put in like real hours as if this were a job, then at least let some people get paid like it's a job. I'm not asking to get paid. I'm not good enough to get paid like purely for being vast or whatever, but you should give people that opportunity if they're putting in that amount of work. Yeah. At least get paid for other things, you know, at least get paid for what they're doing and they choose to make it something fun with like YouTube or something to that, to that style. I think that's that's all that's needed because for college athletes like we are and I was and you are, I don't think, I think a lot of people miss the bigger picture with this rule. It affected, sure, the big college athletes who maybe were going to go professional and make, and I made the counter argument against that with the whole, maybe they're going to be a bust. But for people like us, that few hundred dollars a month, that few thousand dollars a year, that's something that helps prevent our debt from being higher than it would have been. And that's the whole thing. Why do people like to do this, this argument against NIL legislation? But in the same breath, they then go, oh, the college debt situation is so bad. So (laughs) amateurism to you and that sort of arbitrary thing that was invented by the different sporting organizations that existed over time, that to you means more than actual financial issues for students. That's hilarious. Oh, it's just keeping, you know, the preservation of amateur, what does that even mean? College athletes. What does amateurism even mean? It's an abstract term that people like. It, made, to it was made hide up behind, right? It, it's yeah, all exactly. like. Granted, most things are made up, but this financial debt is is tangible. We're talking people who have who walk onto a school even and couldn't make money via being a student athlete if they because like walk ons at schools that are really good schools could make a YouTube channel and make a lot of ad mm-hmm. revenue off of the fact that they're still really good at their sport. They're just school specifically doesn't like a walk on at like Notre Dame running wise would beat like all of us or most of us yeah and that's what it is right but they can make some money yeah and like i said it's not even just skill i mean this is just anyone who can sell themselves well if you're a a great youtuber and an okay runner who just films yourself really well running you can make money now what's that guy's name you've seen the virginia tech uh, running club guy oh i forget his name i know you're talking about respectfully he's not good in comparison to us but he is better than the average Joe and he's good at selling himself and he makes really good videos. Yeah, he makes really good content. And he, he would admit, I'm not trying to be rude, but like he would admit that we're obviously better than him at running because his PR is substantially worse in, mm-hmm. in the, the scheme of how running works. <laughs> I got a little brash there, but I'm just trying, make, trying to make a point. At running is an objective running sport. Running is an objective sport. It is. Like if you run slower, you are worse. 
<laughs> uh, unless you have the context of like you kicked really hard and you still ran kind of fast and maybe you could had the opportunity to work didn't run as fast but that's you know that's a higher level of context but anyways <laughs> his PR is substantially time wise worse but he is making money off YouTube and there was no red tape the whole time he was able to sell himself do a good job of it have fun running oh, oh my god that's like almost what all of us should have been able to do the whole time yeah it's just crazy that there was such a, a love for this idea of amateurism like as we said abstract fake and at the at the expense of not letting college athletes identify like use their whole identity to sell themselves when you put so much time towards being an athlete it just becomes a large part of your identity and it's like i mean clear case with your youtube channel where you just had to omit parts of your life like watching it from the inside being one of the only people who like watches and also knows what's behind the veil it's like it's so interesting when you just like cut out certain parts of your life but it's like it was a little awkward watching it when i know what's actually going on but it's just like it's unfortunate like we have to have this situation you know yeah what was really weird was when i dropped a video uh and i showed a vlog in sorry i showed a strava like snippet of splits in a in a vlog once (laughs) and the comments were funny because they were like dude i know you're like they go did you just like randomly drops like mid 530s for multiple miles in a row on a random (laughs) run like are you really good or something like they were just shocked i'm like i can't say anything i don't know what to do and that's like the least of it but that was you know i it it affected me i was thinking to myself make this video i want to talk about how i can run in college so i I enjoy this part of my life i like myself i like this Mm -hmm. part of my life it's been a big part of my life for at that point when i had made the video nine years or i started running Back when I was in fifth grade, so but like yeah. distance running wise, it's eight years or something, and it's okay. I can't mention it. That's cool. Yeah, it's just crazy, man. But you know, now that you're uh, you're out, I've been really waiting for the the fitness videos. I want to see like a workout Wednesday with Meech or something. That'd be funny. It's funny since I'm probably going through a rebrand that you say that because so many people wanted me to. It's funny though, in the grand scheme of things, would I have made YouTube videos around health and wellness and gotten more traction? Yeah, would you have gone down that route if you want to talk about domino effects? I mean, I could if you were able to do this right when you'd start YouTube, who knows? You could have had videos about workouts or races, I don't know, race mentality. And I think I'd do a decent job of staying consistent with content, making quality content, and I'm I was good. I don't like being brash, I don't like bragging. <laughs> I was pretty for a divisional athlete, I was at least average. You were above average. I would say I was at least average. And in our conference I would podium. I podiumed a couple times. Yeah. I was, I had the capabilities of, of being, you know, top 100 in an event in the country. You know, yeah. I had, I was ranked 88th my senior year in the 800 in the country, which is like pretty good. Not awful. You mean the region or the country? No, uh, indoors. I was ranked 88th in the country oh. my senior year before, yeah. remember like COVID happened and everything, but. Going to the outdoor season, I was like, I'm breaking 150. Then I got the yeah, hernia. You were fit. fit yeah. Then. And then I had the hernia, which sucked. But like, yeah. I ran that time with a hernia, which mm-hmm. was like the whole joke. I'm like, man, I could run really fast right now. If I don't have this hernia and I run, yeah. So I was ranked like top 100 in the country. I definitely could see myself going down that route. Mm-hmm. No, it definitely could have happened. And yet, <sighs> I mean, all things happen for a reason. I think it's good that you've, I think, <laughs> one thing that I, it's very minor, but something that I think that is maybe bad about NIL 
is people are going to lean more and more into their student athlete persona. Yeah. I think that a big issue is that a lot of student athletes don't have a like plethora of personality characteristics or like identity <laughs> facets. Like I'm an athlete. Yeah. I it's like you're right. an athlete, but you're also like YouTube guy now. You're notion guy. Like you're into productivity. And it's like yeah. it's a very, very minor cultural thing. But I think we're gonna see a lot of people lean more and more into just being an athlete and not branch themselves out a little further because it's not gonna make them money. That's very fair. I think that's a good argument. However, I want to say something funny. I would say I mean outside of like, you know, us running wise and even some of us running wise, you know, like let's not act like that wasn't already a thing. Like some people are just the guy who only wears Loyola gear all, but like, I, I agree with you to lean more into it. It's already been an issue in my mind. It's just gonna, this is augmenting it. Yeah. Fair enough. I would say as a person who, and you, I mean, you make, you basically make self-help videos now too. (laughs) Uh, I think we've seen that a lot of people are not as, multifaceted characteristic wise in college athletics as maybe could be the case exactly so that's my minor minor concern for the culture uh, the culture I, i'm not concerned about Loyola. i really i kind of am I, this is another thing I bring oh, God, okay. that's, yeah. i'm worried for non-power five schools oh okay because why would you not like if you're i mean let's say like you're let's say cole hawker oh yeah the guy could go anywhere in the country out of high school for running and he went to Oregon, which is like infamously just one of the best colleges for long distance running. That guy could have gone anywhere, but why now with NIL, why would a Cole Hawker just graduating high school now ever, ever go to any other school other than a power five school or even any school that doesn't have a big reputation for running? If you don't get eyes on you, why would you even go? Fair point. You could outmake the scholarship money just by being a walk-on in one of those teams. Exactly. If you I mean, you're do just a good gonna, job of, yeah. If you are working out, like if if you're able to make a YouTube video where it says, I worked out with, I don't know. Cooper Tier. Yeah, oh, God. Yeah, yeah, Cooper yeah, whoever, yeah. It's like, like, it's unreal. Oh, it's, it's like, it's yeah. crazy. It's like, Thoughts. I don't know. I don't, I, I don't think that mid-major schools are going to see the same stars come in as often just because if the, the lights aren't shining on that school, why would people go to those schools? Great question. Uh, do you think then Adam Fogg wouldn't have went to yeah. Drake? I don't know. I really don't know enough about the... Oh, you know what? I, I would say, hedging against this one part, at least the foreign athletes would still go to Schools that will give them full rides. I think there's going to be more foreign athletes that come to the United States now because in places like, I don't know, we had a teammate in Greece who had a, a sponsorship deal and he came here. And one of the things he didn't like was that he wasn't able to hold that sponsorship, sponsorship, yep. sponsorship with the NCAA. So I think that, I don't know, this is kind of a, I think America's just behind and this is the way it is in a lot of European countries. And I think that they're going to like that more. This is seen as a plus for them for sure. True. I definitely think those those ones will probably still go to mid-majors just because I don't know if many people are familiar with this, but there's an expectation for European athletes who come in that have a similar skill set to an American to be paid more scholarship money due to the fact that they don't have expenses nearly as high in foreign countries. So there's just just the way of recruiting as is in college athletics. Don't want to get into that subject. Sometimes touchy, but you know, I'd, I'd see where you're coming from there. 
I, you know what's interesting? The whole Hobbs Kessler thing is intriguing to me. You know, he mm-hmm. could still go pro, but stay. You go to NAU still. Have you thought about this? You could do both. So this is an interesting subject that was brought up on the Flow Track podcast, which I thought was insane because not a lot of the times do I think some of the points they make on there are good. Sorry for the jab, <laughs> but y'all talk track all the time, yet somehow I feel like I know more. Uh, there is a scenario where Hobbs Kessler is an Adidas-sponsored athlete moving forward. He was offered a big Adidas contract. He's going to a school that runs in Adidas shoes. Oh, that doesn't conflict with the school. It does. It, it, like, the question is, does it? Like, some people immediately go, no, but if this is interesting. So some track uh, sponsorships, right, have performance incentives, which would then make it a profession thing. So then they, you know, not allowed to be sponsored. Yeah. And be in college athletics. But say he signs a lucrative contract with Adidas and he just says, Can you like omit the uh can you omit the performance based stuff? <laughs> He's still running in Adidas shoes. He's still, you know, performing and not getting anything outside of what would be a sponsor. As if I would get sponsored by a, something and still run when I was in college. There's no performance-based thing based off of what I'm doing. It's not technically professional running. It's just a spot, shoe sponsorship, and it's the same shoe that he's running with in college. So yeah. it like which, he could, which I think is one of the biggest rules is that you're not allowed to go against university contracts. Yeah, but if it's Adidas, Adidas, he could go like quote unquote pro and running, but he's not a professional. He's not a professional in the eyes of the NCAA because there's no performance incentives. He's just getting sponsored by a shoe company for his likeness. I think he yeah. could get away with doing both, and if I'm him. I'm getting coached by Mike Smith and getting an education for free and getting paid. Like, I don't, we better do that. Like for, I, I, I don't want to tell people what to do for their life choices. But <laughs> That's a good point. I think that running and just like track and field is um, the nature of the professional scene just makes it so that you really could do both. Because with any of the big sports, you really just can't. I mean, you're on one team or you're on the other. It just seems too dichotomous, but the, it's... <laughs> The line gets so blurred sometimes. You really could do both. That that's interesting. With running, it's you train. Honestly, in college, as a nearly professional athlete, you and I train a lot. We focus a lot of our our attention on it. Sure, maybe we don't get as much rehab as the professionals do. But what happens when you get a professional sponsor? When you get a sponsor. You, if you're Hobbs Kessler in that scenario, you get free coaching. You get free massages. You get free flights paid for. All the sort of friction that then comes there with, oh, I don't know if I have time to like a time or whatever to go get a get a massage or something. I mean, some of these professional contracts will allow him to have somebody come to his place and do it for him. So he could yeah. still get the extra benefit of it, but he'd be coached by Mike Smith. Good lord, man, so good at coaching. And <laughs> he could be coached by Mike Smith, trained like a professional, because NAU is a great program. Yeah. And then he'd get prize money when he goes and runs 334 as a height. Do you remember he ran 334 as a high school? Like, what the heck? It's like a 351 mile for people who are wondering. He ran a 351 yeah. mile, broke Alan Webb's record as a 17-year-old. Good God. Yeah, that, that is crazy. And he could have made money on that race. Yeah. With this new rule. Oh, he would have made a ton of money. I mean, look at how you're freaking out over here. I mean, there's like people across the, the country that were just like, Wild by this guy. I mean, he's, can you imagine Cole Hawker this year going to yeah. some pro races and just whooping on people? Mm-hmm. Like he would have made heck of a lot of money from this. 
Oh, absolutely. Oh, God. oh Cole. Yeah. I think I like that. That is weird to think about. Yeah, it is weird to think about. The other thing I was thinking about maybe before we uh I don't even know what No, we're we're good. We're in like the the forties. We're in oh, the forties. We're doing we're I doing well. into this. I want to get into this, but um I heard I forget which ESPN commentator made it, but he made a really good point about how states that don't have income tax are now gonna be at a recruiting advantage. Which I find super interesting. Oh my god. So, this is something that you've never had to think about. For the for college athletes, but now I think it's Texas, Washington, Tennessee, and one other state. There's like four states out there that don't have income tax. But imagine you're teetering on the border of like I don't know, like OSU, Ohio State, or I don't know Texas A&M, and the Texas A&M coach says, you know, like you get the same spotlight here, no income tax. Genius you could, thought process. Whoever it was this way, who did you say? I forget what she has. That's such a good idea. It's insane, and no one thinks about these facets anymore. But like the financial, you know, literacy that will come from this whole situation is just crazy. How people can actually be thinking about, you know, marketing and like personal finance. I am. Another thing about college I am athletics. thrilled to see the way that this will affect what teams are really good in college sports. So Alabama. You know, Texas used to be a powerhouse in football. Will that come back? Will Florida State come back as a powerhouse in football? Will the University of Miami come out as a... I'm naming states uh, that don't have state income tax. Um, Tennessee could be... I mean... Yeah, yeah Tennessee. All these SEC schools compete all the time, but some of them... Alabama has state income taxes. Texas doesn't. Florida yeah. has ACC teams, but still. Florida doesn't. Tennessee doesn't. Yeah, yeah Florida is this fourth state. You're right, it's... Florida, Tennessee, Texas. Florida, Tennessee, Washington. Randomly Washington. Really? Washington? Yeah. Yeah. Kind of weird. Surprisingly, liberal state doesn't have. Interesting. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. But yeah. Washington, Tennessee, Florida, Texas. No one comes Intriguing. Tax. Yeah. I, there, there really could be schools from the. Especially Texas is one I think about. That's, that's funny how that plays out. You got uh, SEC, ACC, and PAC. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's another facet that people don't think about, but like that is a clear recruiting advantage. Good lord, man. We're gonna see we're gonna see some interesting things that comes from this. And you know what? None of these conversations would be possible if we just had this stupid role still exist. Yeah. Yeah. I mean you <laughs> don't get too meta here. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't want to get too meta. Sometimes I feel like I get really meta. Sorry. <laughs> anyway, let me let me dig myself out of this meta wormhole here um what <laughs> how do you feel about this whole barstool situation what happened i i headline read went i don't go on anything anymore i i, I just listen to NPR and yeah sure um when i was researching for this and i kind of heard about it still as a college athlete but essentially barstool sports i think there was a a volleyball player from some florida school this is a very general story she reaches out to barstool and says i want to be sponsored by you cool and someone from barstool was like Great idea. We can have athletes now. And all it takes to be a sponsor, because the rules were so strict, I mean, on the flip side of this coin, it is incredibly easy to quote-unquote sponsor someone. All you need is a t-shirt. Huh. So Barstool has received, I think, like 100,000 applicants nice. at this point. And they are just taking, you know, I don't even know, like what, I'm sure it's a pretty lenient um, acceptance policy. Mm-hmm. But they're taking all these athletes and then 
giving them a post on their Instagram saying so-and-so is now a barstool athlete. They sent him a t-shirt, I'm sure. And now they have like, that's literally just free sponsorship. Anyone who gets this deal gets, I'm sure they'll share it on their Instagram story. They get probably a thousand looks and Barstool just got a thousand looks off each person, which it can be in the thousands how many yeah. Barstool athletes yeah. they decide to sign, but literally with no cost to them. This is the easiest advertising you could do in the world. That's good for them. It's it's crazy, but it's like it really opens up the door. Like anyone could get into this scene as a business now. Yeah, I think that gives the athlete and Barstool nice exposure. Yeah, I don't know if I love that Barstool's getting all this exposure because it's I don't know how I feel about you Barstool. don't like Portnoy, David. What's that his name? What's the yeah, name of the there's main guy over there? I don't the love. name guy, the main guy, Dave Dave Portnoy. Is he the guy who runs their Instagram? He's the dude who is like one slice, everybody knows the rules and like goes around eating the pizza. You seen that guy? No. Who's the guy that does like the two minute oh, not like, that guy. quick No, news? I don't know his name. I like Nobody, him. I don't know if anyone really likes him. And I think Color Daddy was Barstool. Yeah, I think so. Like, I didn't love that podcast either. So, yeah, mixed bag how I feel about Barstool. <laughs> so, it'll be interesting. But yeah, I mean, that's just like a interesting business model like i could go help the bike shop and ask if i i can get sponsored that's that's intriguing you just get a lot of free stuff now that you otherwise weren't allowed to get and once again going into the amateurism thing it's like what can we just i want to hash this out before we end things what the heck is it can you like (laughs) does someone define what or outside of the arbitrary constraints that and definition can someone just break down if if you didn't exist in the world and you're an alien and come in. Explain amateurism to the alien, please. It's hard, right? I mean, it's too abstract. But I will say, and this is getting, I'll, I'll soften the point I was making earlier, but I do think it makes people feel better about taking advantage of other people's labors. Because you build up this idea that this is a, a college athlete who's only putting in a part-time job, amount of hours towards their job or towards their sport, pardon me. They do it solely for the love of the sport. They're getting everything taken care of. You know, like, is that a subliminal thing just now with you saying job by accident? What you feel about running? <laughs> it's, it is a job. I mean, I think that was intentional. Like, this is, I put in hours as if it were a job and I don't have any other job when I'm in season. So I think it's just to make people feel good. You know, it gives people this idea like, oh, these are just some kids that are, you know, playing around, like got their sport, like it's fun to watch and all that. Well, you know, coaches make millions and everyone on the NCAA director board is making millions. Advertising companies making millions. Yeah, I would say, and this is a question, do you believe that's a more of a conservative viewpoint? For what? Uh, that it makes them feel better. Do you know many liberals that take that stance? Just a question. I do think, I do think the amateurism thing is probably more of a conservative. I don't have a problem with either side, very moderate person. But in this in this regard, it's like, yeah, it's kind of clear cut and dry who you know that has a problem with the rule. That yeah. they're sorry that the rule for the rule to be changed. And I'm like, you know, what do we gotta like? Somehow, I I don't like when things become accidentally political. And <laughs> twice this happened. Um, I don't like when it becomes accidentally political. But I think it's nearly clear cut and dry. The people in my life who happen to disagree with the rule change. That's just interesting how that how things play out sometimes like that. When they really like I don't know if they should. 
I agree. I think that everyone feels a need to take one side or the other. But really, I don't. I don't know. I've heard the arguments against nil. I don't. I don't. I don't buy it. I don't buy it. Yeah, it is. It's, you know, we're gonna get college football um, EA Sports back, dude. Let's go. Everyone's got NCAA be football. That. Let's go. You know, maybe this would be a little caveat. I told it to you, yeah. but I think a lot of people don't know this. With the name and image, it makes a lot oh, of yeah. sense. I mean, autographs, photos of yourself on like a, I don't know, any kind of advertisement, slap it on there. Everyone's always like, what is likeness? But I guess this whole wave started with um, Ed O'Bannon. But I guess you don't nope. know. He's like a UCLA basketball player. Okay. I don't even know if he went professional. Maybe, I guess he must have because he was a star. I guess he was like player of the year back in like 04 or something. But apparently about 10 years later, there's a basketball game that comes out. It's like a collegiate basketball yeah, game. Yeah, the NCAA basketball. And he's watching like his kids or somebody play this game. And one of the kids picks the UCLA team. And they, he watches them play. And he's like, oh, like, that's me. Like, uh-huh. Skin tone, height, the arm that he was shooting with because he's left-handed. Same yeah. number on his jersey. Like everything was the same, except it didn't say it was Ed O'Bannon. Ed O'Bannon, as soon as the NCAA for this, they're like, yo, like, why are you not paying me for <laughs> it's just literally me. me? It's just me. It, literally, it couldn't be more blatantly him. And yet they weren't even notifying him that they were using every part of his essence. And I guess he took it up to the Supreme Court. I think he got all the Supreme Court. And he ended up with $42 million. And um, that's where the whole likeness thing comes from. That's where that language had come from. And that's from. probably along the timeline where EA Sports cut that game. It was twenty four. Yeah, that's exactly when the game got cut. So I didn't know about yep. how that happened or why that happened. Maybe the NCAA was like, yeah, we should probably stop doing this. Someone else is going to sue. Yeah, exactly. Like, no one sees the legal things behind the scene. But, like, everyone felt that when EA sports stopped the, the college basketball and football. everyone loved ncaa football it was a big game for me when i was a kid i liked yeah. it the going through the process of trying to win a heisman going from like the <laughs> whole mini high school games going into that the college dorm room i thought that was cool um and you know i just looked him up on basketball reference to try to make a interesting point here he's a classic case of the guy who was really good in college he was the ninth pick overall in the nba draft flop complete flop out of the league in four years average five points a game complete example going? i'm glad he got his money but where 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 is that for people like adam morrison the gonzaga guy do you remember that guy yeah. really good yeah. in college bum in the nba bum <laughs> complete bum that is a ring but a kobe respectfully called you a bum rest in peace kobe bryant but i think he called him a bum i mean he said he was playing with bums and he was oh, on the team no. so bum. <laughs> granted you know like the professional basketball players or whatever so but like he was not yeah, nearly exactly. good enough to to make that extra money i'm trying to help him here i don't know why i bashed him but i'm trying to help him here like there's a lot of guys who go into that situation they were really good in college uh you're a kentucky fan so or no you're a louisville fan you're a louisville, louisville fan uh peyton siva could have got some money could have got some money bum on the pistons completely yeah. trash yeah. not good <laughs> Peyton Siva. That's not a name I've heard since like I'm versed school. I'm I'm versed you in the rand, in the random things. <laughs> uh we got so Kentucky, t- people you don't like, the twins, the Harrison twins. When they get yeah. to the pros, kind of bums. Didn't really yeah, do they, much. They, they College, really pretty good. 
And then you have the antithesis with like Devin Booker. He was like the fifth best guy in that team, but he ended up making money on the pros. But you don't know how it's going to turn out. You think you know. He was yeah. like one of the worst ones, but he's about to win a ring. Like by the time this is posted, he might have already beaten the Bucks and will win his NBA championship. But what's, <laughs> what are the Harrison twins doing? They're either playing in Europe or they're doing nothing. Yeah. And this is another thing. Not only staying in college is going to help you in terms of personal finance and, you know, just getting an education, but especially for basketball and football, yeah. being able to like, if it's financially advantageous for you to stay and develop skills, I mean, fully develop as a man, just to like, a, you know, be a full-size guy. And then maybe, you'll, the maybe you won't NFL, pull a Harrison twins. Maybe you don't flop at the next level. That's a very good point. Cause all these one and done guys, I think sometimes they just need a few Murray's. And sometimes you see guys who are smart, like Jimmy Butler, like, who stayed and then was drafted still late in the first round and then he he works hard in the NBA and then he becomes good but like you know if he was a little more talented the whole work ethic thing comes into question of like yeah if he he just has to go into the NBA and he doesn't have to like grind throughout college maybe he doesn't become good in the NBA it's it's a question it's a thought yeah I mean I just feel like the one and done is so stigmatized it's like well, why does he stay for four years? Well, then that's why. Maybe it doesn't make sense for him financially. And it's like, well, this is his only option. Is, and if it doesn't work out, that's unfortunate. Yeah, like he's not accumulating debt, which is good. But like him going pro increases his wealth when a lot of these guys need circumstances to help their family now. And first of all, what was annoying to hear, and we'll have to wrap this up soon. We're going all, a little bit over, not too much. Um, you know what's interesting? Guy, a lot of people forget. It's like, well, they need help now. I remember watching the movie Safety recently, which was about that Clemson safety who ended up like housing his brother in his dorm room while his mom was in the getting treatment for a cocaine addiction. Uh, yeah. And he had a whole uh, fight with the NCAA about you know me get him getting enough help, what was reasonable. And that helped move something forward in regards to the community being able to help him out so he can like live a normal life while having to deal with his brother and everything. And it, sorry, having to take care of his brother while he was in college. And it's interesting to me that some people look past those situations, which really affects a lot of these people on full rides where they have family members who need some money help right now. They need something to get, I mean, even just like at a minimum, some money would help them get out of the areas they live in, which, you know, uh, crime rate's pretty high. People die. Like yeah. I've heard yeah. some crazy stories where, like, if they had gotten them out earlier, something bad wouldn't have happened to somebody. They knew. <laughs> All the books fell. <laughs> I think that's a sign. <laughs> um, no, you, yeah. you, make, you make a good point with another perfect movie reference. Bring in cool. movie references, ba- obscure good college basketball references like Peyton Siva. And think I remember <laughs> Peyton Siva, did you? That's why we keep you around. That's why. That's why uh, <laughs> Yeah, that's why he lets me on his show. That's why. That's exactly. why. I'm just, it's Chance's world. <laughs> I'm just living in it. You just, you do all the automate work. Uh, you're welcome. <laughs> I think, uh, you got any more thoughts before we wrap this up? I could go for hours, but unfortunately this is uh, an hour long podcast. Get a hot stop. No, Timol, hot stop. I like how they, they cut it. <laughs> I think that, that that was a good lesson for me. Yeah, it is good. But so much. So much to be said about this. Do your own research. Um, I know I certainly have. There's there's no stop to the extensive consequences of this first domino flick. How do you feel? Um, I think I'm happy for you and others who are in the situation that it benefits. I think this is going to see a lot more good legislation change for the NCAA who 
I will be blunt and say I have not agreed with most of the things that they do for my five years of being a college athlete. So good on them for doing something. You're not bitter. Though. I'm not, not like bitter. actually I'm serious. <laughs> no, no, I'm not. I'm not bitter. Why would it be? Bitter? No, I'm, I'm genuinely happy like for you and eh, fog. Yeah, sure. I'm happy for him too. I don't know him that well, but like yeah. I'm happy that people like him get to make the money. But otherwise you're staying stoic. I'm stoic. I, I can't control, control it. that it happened right after I left the five years of being a college athlete. I can't control that. I'm here. I'm witnessing it. And I got to just be, I got to either be okay with it. No, I got to not be mad or do something. That's like my new motto. I got to not be mad or not be upset or do something about it. Mm-hmm. And in this circumstance, I can't do anything because like it just happened. So like I got to not be mad. And that's just, that's where we're at. I love that dualism. Good thank work. you. So with that being said, thank you for listening to episode 55 of the Rise Productive Podcast. And we'll see you guys in the next one. Bye.